0: This morning's reading is taken from uh, John chapter 13. So, if you'd like to turn that uh, to that, if you have it on your phone or your own Bible, um, if you're in the building here um, and you don't have your own copy, then the, you can take a copy of the Bible from the back of the, uh, uh, the seats, and it's on page 1081. That's one zero eight one, 1081, 1081. Uh, John chapter 13, reading from verse 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal "'Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me.' "'Then, Lord,' Simon Peter replied, "'Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well.' "'Jesus answered, "'Those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet, "'and their whole body is clean. "'And you are clean, no, not every one of you.' "'For he knew who was going to betray him, "'and that was why he said not everyone was clean. "'When he'd finished washing their feet, "'he put on his clothes and returned to his place.' Um, I'm very excited. Um,
1: In the next few weeks, something is starting. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. 2021. Uh, That's not something I feel like I would have said a few years ago. Uh, I didn't really understand the point of I'm a celebrity. But last year, a couple of housemates and I were watching it, and we really got into it. If you're not familiar with what it is, uh, it's where a group of celebrities who, who normally live very comfortable, luxurious lifestyles, live in nice houses, nice cars and stuff, um, they have to go without all that for a few weeks. And they have to live off rice and beans, sleep outside in uh, traditionally a jungle, but at the moment a, a castle over in Wales. Uh, do lots of weird challenges involving lots of strange animals and eating strange things. Um, all to compete for the prize of king or queen of the castle. And, and I believe they get paid a pretty good deal for going in there. It, it boosts their careers. Uh, they, they want to be popular. They want to get as many votes as they can and entertain us as well as they can as they give up their uh, wonderful lifestyles to do this. In our passage this morning, we see Jesus. Uh, Jesus, who is God come down to to earth, uh, fully man, fully God, God in the flesh. He, He leaves the heights of heaven to come and dwell on this earth. But his motivation isn't like the motivation of celebrities and I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It's rather different. He comes because of love for his father and love for people who didn't love him back. Sinful people. So that they, so that we could be saved. Unable to live eternally with our God in heaven. And as he comes, he he shows the way that he wants those that will become his people, he shows the way that he wants them to live. Verse 1 of our passage says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This passage begins by telling us that Jesus knew the hour had come. The hour in John's Gospel speaks of the hour in which he came to earth to to come and die on the cross for us and our salvation. And these final chapters of John, uh, Jesus leading, uh, going on that journey to the cross, to that hour where he would suffer and die. And as we go through this passage in John's gospel, in John chapter 13, we see Jesus' great, humble, servant-hearted love, which he has for his people which he has to the very end, to the very end, which is the cross where he would die. And we're going to learn this morning what it means for us if we follow Jesus to be like him, the humble servant. And I think we need God's help uh, as we look at this together. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage here in John 13. We pray, please, would you teach us through it? Amen. I've got a few points to help us through this morning. The first of which is the humble servant. The humble servants. Uh, verse three, it, it reads this Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning. To God. This speaks of Jesus, God in the flesh, the one who has all things under his power, who was from God, who is God, who will be returning to God to dwell with him in heaven. This is God. He doesn't need anything from us. He he doesn't need to come to earth and care about sinful people. And yet this is God in the flesh. This is God who loves people like us. And he's here in this passage at the evening meal. He's eating with his 12 disciples, 12 ordinary guys. And it's utterly astounding. That God in the flesh would do this. Back in July, I got to experience going to Wimbledon to the tennis there. Uh, I managed to get some ground court tickets with a friend. And it was great. I got to roam around some of those small outside courts and watch some live tennis. It was really good. And there was a moment in between a couple of matches that I was watching, I needed to head to the toilet. Uh, And as I was on my way there, outside of Centre Court, there were lots of people standing around, um, waiting for something, it seemed. I didn't know what they were waiting for, neither did they, I think. So I thought I'd wait around for a bit. About 10 minutes later, I gave up. I thought, nothing is really happening here. It's all a fuss over nothing. So I went to the Lee, uh, and a few minutes later, I came out, uh, and the friend that I was with said, you've just missed Kate. And I was like, Kate who? The Duchess of Cambridge. I couldn't believe it. I'd missed the Duchess of Cambridge. She was literally walking around paths that I'd walked on. I was in the presence of greatness. And yet i just missed her. The disciples here in this passage, they were in the presence of greatness. Even more so than any celebrity, any royal you could ever think of. They were in the presence of God. The maker of the universe, the one who spoke and the stars came into existence. God in human flesh was present around this table eating dinner. With these guys. And because he's God in the flesh, well, you'd expect him to perhaps be weighted on hand and foot. Everybody to serve him. And and verse 4 says that he gets up from the mill and he goes out to the sound of great applause and cheers. But it doesn't say that, does it? That sounds a bit better for someone who is the God of the universe. And yet actually, what does verse 4 say? It says, so he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was round him. This is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. And he picks up a towel and he wraps it around him. And he gets some water and he pours it into a basin and he bends down and washes feet. This is utterly amazing. This is unthinkable. We've already heard a little bit from Don about how gross feet are. (laughs) I find feet really gross. Uh, It's only been a few years since I started wearing things like flip-flops. Because I just find the sight of feet just a bit gross. They're dirty, they're, they're smelly, they get sweaty. They're rather horrible. feet are a bit gross. And yet Jesus here stoops down and washes people's feet. This was the job of a servant back in Jesus' day, the very lowest of a servant. In the Jewish world, not even Jewish servants were made to do this. And it needs to be done because in those days they would have walked around in sandals, maybe even bare feet, or on hot and dusty roads. Animals would have been to the toilet on these roads. They might have had a bath on the way to where they were going, but before, before going. Um, but their feet, they would get dirty. They would get dusty. They would get smelly. And so uh, the lowest of the lowest servant would stoop down and and wash people's feet. But here, God in the flesh does it. Imagine when Don was doing some notices earlier, he he told us something else. He told us that tomorrow morning, about 10 o'clock, the Bishop of Chichester is going to be here. And he's offering to wash our feet. That would be quite unthinkable, quite unimaginable. Someone so high up and so great as he—surely sure, he's not going to be coming here to wash people's feet. It's not happening, by the way. Just, just in case you wondered, I'm not even sure, like a voluntary staff worker here at church would be made to do it. It's a, seems like a gross job. And yet Jesus does. And his love shines through for his people here in these verses. And it shines through even more as we consider verse 2. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Judas, the one who would betray Jesus, which would mean Jesus would go to the cross, was present in this room. And even he had his feet washed by Jesus. Jesus stoops down to wash the feet of people, even the feet of his betrayer. And Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. He doesn't need to. He is God, but he is God in the flesh. And he shows humble, servant-hearted love to his people. Uh, One um, ancient Christian writer wrote this, and, and I think it's rather amazing. He wrote this, He who wraps the heavens in clouds, wraps round himself a towel. He who forged waters into rivers, tips water into a basin, he before whom every knee bends in heaven and earth and under the earth, kneels to wash feet. Utterly staggering. But this is our God, the servant king. And this act of humble, servant-hearted love, it shows a second thing, the cleansing servant. Imagine the scene round this mill table as Jesus gets up uh, and to the shock and amazement of his disciples stoops down to wash their feet. You can imagine the room being stunned into absolute silence. Who's going to say something? Who's going to speak up and put a stop to this badness? Well, of course, it's Peter. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And said, Lord, are you really going to be washing my feet? Peter knows that it doesn't seem right for Jesus to do this, but he doesn't quite grasp why. He doesn't quite grasp what's happening here. And so Jesus replies to Peter down there in verse 7. You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. But Peter still refuses and he says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. This is so clear. Unless we're washed by Jesus, we have no part with Him. Recently, I, I've started not one, but two different jobs. Uh, one of them's a, a, just a little part-time job in Teske. And so I can tell you that I work in Teske. But if I hadn't been invited to Tesco to be interviewed, if I hadn't been offered the job and signed a contract and given them my bank details so that I can be paid, and given one of these clocking cards so that I can clock in, and they know that I'm there, and they know that, yes, it's right, and we can pay him, he's turned up. I could say I work in Tesco if that didn't happen, but the most I would do is just shop there. And it's like that with us and Jesus. Like we do wrong things. We, we do things that make us unclean in God's sight. We, we lie. We lust. We uh, get angry. We get frustrated with people. And so we can tell people we're a Christian, but unless we've had our sins forgiven, our sins Washed, cleansed by Jesus, we have no part with him. And so we all need Jesus to cleanse us. And he can, because this act, humble act of foot washing here, points us to an even greater act of humility and love. It points us to the cross. It points us to the place where Jesus died. Where Jesus, God in the flesh suffered the cruelest of deaths. Where he had nails hammered into him. Where he was beaten and mocked. And yet in humility and love for his people suffered. And so that by his blood which was shed, we could be cleansed. We can be forgiven for all those things that we do wrong, that makes us unclean. This is the greatest act of humble love for the God of heaven to come to earth and to die on a cross. And so let me ask you, have you had your sin cleansed and forgiven by Jesus? Have you prayed to him? Asked him to forgive you for the wrong that you have done. And if you have if you know that our sins your sins are forgiven. Well this passage shows us too that we need to keep coming back to Jesus to be washed clean. Verse 9 says Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Peter suddenly changes his mind. He sees that he needs to be washed and so he says, well, wash all of me then. When our sin is forgiven, it's like we've had a bath. We've been, we've been washed clean thoroughly. But Jesus says this to Peter and and to us. If we've had our sins forgiven, he says, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. The disciples' feet, as we said earlier, they, they would be dirty, they'd be dusty. But before they came to this mill, it's likely they'd have had a bath. Like before we came to church this morning, I'm sure many of us would have had a bath or a shower, would, would have come to church clean. At least it, it smells pretty clean in this room. I haven't smelled too much sweat anyway. And that's the same here. For, for these disciples, they've had their, they, they've cleaned, but they need their dirty, dusty feet to be washed and so we need to keep coming back to Jesus for forgiveness because though we've had our sin totally forgiven we also do keep doing wrong I think the longer I've been a Christian the more aware I am of my sin. And so we need to keep coming back to Jesus for cleansing. That's why in many of our services here at Bishop Hannington, we say a confession together. To to come as the people of God, people that keep sinning, back to him and confess. I wonder if you are you in the regular habit of doing that on your own though, you, through the week. Coming back to the Lord for forgiveness. You could simply say, Lord Jesus Christ, I've sinned. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me once again. And help me to live for you. And as we seek to live lives for God. As we we need to follow the way of our God. The way of the servant king. So we need to learn how to serve. And we... We'll do that for a few minutes. And our final point, the way of a servant. Jesus, God in the flesh, is shown here. He shows us here such humility and such love. He has washed the feet of his disciples. And Jesus says to them, and he says to us in verse 12, Do you understand what I have done for you? We need to understand what Jesus has done for us. So, uh, verse 15, he he explains it. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. See, Jesus calls us, too, to be involved in foot washing. Okay, maybe not literally washing one another's feet, although that wouldn't be a bad way to respond. But he calls us to serve others with humility and love. Doing very happily, doing the lowest job to serve others in humility and love. After all, Jesus says this in verse 16. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. We are not greater than Jesus if we follow him. We are servants following the humble servant king. Since working in Tesco, I've been really struck by the number of people who come to a tell. And they put not one lot of shopping, but two, sometimes even three lots of shopping. Uh, and at first I f- would say, oh, is that yours too? Uh, and, and I'd be like, y- no, that's, that's my shopping for my mum or, or for my neighbour or, or for my friend, someone who, who can't get out themselves and shop. People who just every week come quietly and humbly to the supermarket and, and do uh, other people's shopping, people who can't do it themselves. And I'm sure they probably don't get too much reward from it but and I don't know how many of them are Christian but if they can do that simple act humble act of serving someone how can we as God's people serve how will we as God's people who follow a humble servant show that humble love of a servant this week maybe it's it's doing what I just said. Maybe you know someone, uh, maybe a neighbor or a friend who you know can't get out and do their shopping, and maybe that's your way of serving them. Maybe uh, as you come here to church, you, you sit in the services each week, and Uh, you enjoy hearing from god's word and you enjoy singing the songs but but maybe you're not really involved in serving your brothers and sisters in christ here at church maybe there's a way you can get involved and show that humble servant-hearted love of jesus to people maybe it's serving tea and coffee it might involve lots of Uh, time out in the kitchen, away from other people, staying a bit later than normal to do the washing up. How will you show the humble love of a servant to other people this week? This is Jesus that we've seen this morning. This is God in the flesh, the one who spoke and the stars were made. And he stoops so low to even wash the feet of his disciples. He stoops even lower to die on a cruel wooden cross for you. So that you can have your sins cleansed, forgiven. It's utterly astounding. And he does that to show us the way of a servant. The way that we as his servants must follow him too. How will you show the humble love of Jesus to people this week? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have seen Jesus this morning. Jesus, our God, the servant king, who calls us now to follow him. So help us to learn how to serve him with this humble, servant-hearted love this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.